If you brought your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you have, turn with me to the book of Exodus. Right? That's the, that's the second book, right? The first one's Genesis, the second one's Exodus. Turn with me to the book of Exodus, to the 15th chapter. I want to start at, I believe I want to start at verse 22 and read, uh, read the next few verses, read through verse 26, and then we will go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. I'll give you just a moment longer to find that. Exodus chapter 15, it's about the middle of the book of Exodus, or not quite the middle, uh, verse 22. It begins and says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they come to Merah, they could not drink of the waters of Merah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Merah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. And he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and wilt, uh, and wilt give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Let's go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. We thank you, Lord, for uh, our church family. Thank you, Lord, for the roof you put over our heads. Thank you, Lord, for the nation that we live in, the freedom that we have to gather here this morning. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that you poured out on us, the health that we have, the every breath that we draw, right? It's a gift from you, right? The ability to be here this morning. And so, Lord, we give you the praise and the glory for all of these things. But we thank you most of all for your son, Jesus, Lord God, that you sent him and give him so that we might have life and have that life eternally and abundantly. God, don't let us take that for granted. Lord, I pray that each one of us would always have thankful hearts, and we would always give you the praise and glory that you alone are due. And Lord, I just pray as we go forward here this morning in this service, Lord, that you would just continue to move and meet every need here this morning. Lord, you're the searcher of hearts. There's nothing that is hidden from you, nothing you don't know, nothing you don't see. And so, Lord, I'm just praying right now, Lord, that you would, uh, Lord, you know that the, those of us that are struggling, you know which ones of us uh, uh, are dealing with things and the things that we're facing. Uh, you know those who are going through hardship and hard time, those who are struggling with health, those who are struggling with money, those who are struggling with emotional things and with spiritual things, uh, those that, are, that are maybe have some doubt. Lord, whatever it is, Lord, it's not hidden from you. You know it already. And so, Lord, my prayer this morning is that you would meet every need. God, that you would touch your people here this morning. Lord, that each one of us would leave here saying it's been good to be in the house of God. Each one of us leave here today knowing that we've been in your presence. So, Lord, I'm asking that you would move amongst us in a mighty way, meeting the needs of the people, lifting us up, encouraging. And, Lord, my prayer is, is for any among us here this morning that doesn't know you, any that is lost and undone, not sure where they stand with you, 
if there is a single person here that doesn't know for sure what would happen to them if they were to die today. God, let today be the day that they would get things right with you and know when they left here have, uh, for short that they are saved and on their way to heaven. And so, Lord, my prayer then is, is if there's anything in anyone's heart or life uh, that, that shouldn't be there, God, bring it to their attention. Convict them of it. Don't give them any peace until they repent of it because the most important thing is our walk with you. Lord, let us not let anything hinder that. And Lord, let me pray also here this morning for, for my own self. As I tried to preach your word this morning, I know that I am unworthy. I know that I am incapable. Uh, I know that um, I just ain't got it, but you do. And so, Lord, I'm praying that you would clear my mind of everything except for your message, your thoughts, your words. Place on my tongue the very words you'd have me to speak tonight or this morning help me to preach from my spirit to their spirit God I pray that your anointing would be heavy Lord that you'd pour out your spirit to your holy unction I pray Lord that we would uh, uh, Lord that you would just uh, do what only you can do and we'll give you the glory for it Lord we love you we worship you we praise your holy name we ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus Amen I look at this uh, set of scriptures, and honestly, this, this section of Exodus um, is interesting. If, if you back up to, I believe it's chapter 14, yeah, in chapter 14, you have the Red Sea crossing, right? That's what happens in, in chapter 14, right? So in the chapters leading up to this, right, we see uh, starting at the beginning of Exodus, we see Moses being born. We see the whole incident, you know, around him, uh, you know, around his birth and the unusualness of all that as far as, you know, Pharaoh-ish in order for all the, you know, the little, you know, Hebrew children, the male Hebrew children to be killed. And so, we, you know, we see all of that and we see what happens and we see, you know, how God miraculously intervenes and, and and Moses is raised in Pharaoh's house, and then we see where he kills the Egyptian, and, and he goes and, and you know, and, and, and uh, on the backside of the desert for forty years, right, and, and, and runs into Jethro's daughters, right, and, and, and all of that takes place, and then it tells us that you know Moses has the encounter with the burning bush, and, and, and it's an encounter with God, and, and God says he's heard his people's cry, yeah, you know, from their uh, their heavy burden, their affliction, and he sends Moses to deliver them. And Moses goes back, right, and we go through all the things that has taken place, right? So, so the nation of Israel has been in, uh, in, in Egypt for 400 years for the last biggest part of that. They've been, for the last quite some time, they've been slaves there in bondage, right? And, and, and they're crying out to God. And so God sends a deliverer. He sends Moses to them, right? And then we go through, and, and it's through the ten plagues, right, that happens, right? There's one after another, right? The waters turn to blood. The locusts come and devour everything. I mean, it's one after another accumulating into uh, the, the Passover, right? the death of the firstborn of each one, right, which is commemorated in the Passover. And so anyways, and so we have that miraculous set of events that is taking place there. And God leads uh, through that. God uses that and leads the nation of Israel out of uh, Egypt, out of bondage in Egypt to, they're headed to the promised land. 
God, if you read that carefully, God tells them, God warns them, says, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart one more time, and he's going to come after you guys. But God's doing that to show his glory and his power and his might. Uh, teach Pharaoh a lesson. And so we come up, verse in chapter 14, we come up to the Red Sea crossing. He's been, God's been guiding them by a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. They're miraculously delivered from Egypt, guided out of Egypt to this point, and the, the walls are, you know, they're backed up against the Red Sea. Pharaoh and Pharaoh's army is coming and they i mean i can understand their position they're upset you know uh they you know i'm not saying that i agree with it i hope that i wouldn't have done it if i'd have been there but i understand where they're coming from you know and that's when they start in with moses with the whole thing was there not enough graves in egypt to bury us you brought us out here in the desert for us to be slaughtered and of course what does god do right god uses you know, through Moses, he parts the Red Sea. They cross over on, on dry ground. And then Pharaoh's army is lured out there, and the waters come back in. They're all drowned, and, and their dead bodies washed up on the shore. And, it, you know, you find all of that. All of that has just taken place. And we start out in verse 22 of what I read to you, and it says, Three days. Three days. That's how long their memory was on the miracles that God had just done. Three days. And I realize, I realize they've gone into the desert three days and not found water. That doesn't mean that they've not had a drop of water to drink for three days. I mean, obviously, they had their version of canteens that they were carrying and so on and so forth. I am sure the water supply was low or run out, right? It's a desert. They were probably parched and thirsty and wanted something to drink. I get that. But look at what God has just done, and in three days, they're murmuring. That's what it says, and I read it to you here, what is it, 25 or 26? It says they murmured, 24. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? God has just destroyed the most powerful army that they know of anyways. On the face of the earth, they had just watched it. Not, they didn't lift a hand, right? They didn't take a sword or an axe and kill anybody. They didn't do battle. God didn't do it through them. God had miraculously done it after parting the Red Sea and them walking across on dry ground. And three days later, they think that God has done all of that to take them out in the desert so they die of thirst. I call this section of Exodus, the um, people are complaining. Three times, right here in a row, back to back, they complain. Okay, so in 520, uh, let's see, 1524, they murmur, they complain. If we were to go on and read farther in 16.2, which is the next set of events, right? They got something to drink. God miraculously gives them something to drink and, you know, makes the water good for them. And then in, verse six, in chapter 16, they're like, well, we're hungry. Where's the food? And so, God, and so it says in verse 2 that the whole congregation of children of Israel murmured, right? That means they griped and complained, right? Griped, moaned, and complained uh, against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, that's the second time. 
right? Three days after all that, and there we're thirsty, and there we're griping, and we're complaining. Did you bring us out here so we could die? And God miraculously, right? Throwing that, throwing that stick in the water is not what made the water good. It was God showing out. It was God showing out. It was God proving to you know who He was, right? The, the whole point of all of this is they need to depend on God literally for everything, right? We've got a physical representation of their food and their water. They need to depend on God daily for it. They're having a hard time getting it, and so they're murmuring against the people. This whole chapter. 16 is about God lays out how he's going to do the manna and then we got the whole incident with the quail. He sends them the quail. And, and so that's chapter 16. The very next thing that happens in chapter 17 is we're thirsty again. We're, I'm pretty sure I've been on a long trip with these kids before. Moses is going on a long trip with these kids. We're thirsty. We're going to die of thirst. He gives them something to drink. We're hungry. We're going to starve to death. He gives them something to eat. We're thirsty again. We're going to die of thirst. If I'd been Moses, I'd been, all right, God, go ahead. Kill them all. I've had enough. I'm leaving you all out of here. You're right. There wasn't enough graves in Egypt. That's why I brought you out of here. It's crazy, you know. But that's what's happening. That's what's going on here. That's what Moses is dealing with. Now, the thing that jumps out to me is the response. Now, it's Moses telling the people, but it's really God talking through Moses. And you see it in um, verse 26. Verse 26 says, And he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in, in his sight, right? That's God's sight, not your own sight, not anybody else's sight, but in God's sight. And will give ear to his commandments, right? That's God's commandments, and keep all his statutes, right? That's God's statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. All right, the thing that stood out to me in that is basically what he says, and it's right there in the middle of it, he says, and, and wilt thou do which is right? Do right. He is telling them, if you all will do right, God will take care of you. The things that, you, you, that you've seen and that you experienced, you know, that you're back in Egypt, God will keep you from all that. You'll, you'll, live, you'll live a good life. If you will do right, God will take care of you and you will live a good life. It's the best life that you could possibly live. I look and I see people today. And they will whine and they will complain and they'll moan and they'll groan. And they'll say, oh, I'm going through this hardship and I'm going through that hardship. And I've got, I mean, I'm not going to mention any names, but... We had a gentleman in the after church in the parking lot. He didn't even go to church that day. Shows up in the parking lot after. This has been maybe last fall. And he was literally complaining, you know, about the things he was going through. Right? It's kind of like them. And I'm sitting there thinking the same thing as what Moses said. If you just do right, if you just, you know, because so many things. Now, I'm not saying everything. Tragedy happens. We're te you know, God allows us to be tested sometimes and, Trials and temptations come our way, and the attacks of the devil come. I know that. 
But so many of the things that so many people go through is a result of the own decisions that they make. God said, do right, and things will go good. We don't do right, and then we're like, God, why'd you let this happen to me? So I got, I, my message this morning is just so simple, it's almost embarrassing to stand up here and preach it to you. L- let, me just, let me just lay it out. I, I could probably give it to you. The sermon could probably be six words long. Let, but let me lay it out to you here. First, I'm just gonna, let me summarize it. I'll just tell you. I'll just give it away. Do right. Right? If you'll do right, you'll live the best possible life you could possibly live. Period. I'm not saying you'll never experience hard times, problems, or anything like that, but you will, li- you will live the best possible life that you could possibly live if you'll just do right. And you might say, Preacher, how do we do right? I'm glad you asked. This is the simple part. Get right and live right. That's how you do right. <laughs> Get right and live right. So let, let's talk about that for just a minute. You might say, Preacher, what do you mean by get right? Well, I think you know exactly what I mean by get right. <laughs> I wasn't right for a long time, but I knew deep down I needed to get right. Uh, those that ain't right, you know that you need to get right. <laughs> but what I'm talking about when I say get right is the first step in getting right with God means to get saved. Get saved. That's how you get right. And think about salvation and the call of salvation, right? Well, first of all, the call of salvation comes from the Word of God. Uh, the call, I think about what it says in Romans 10, 17. It says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I think about what it says in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah 1, 18, whenever it says, come now and let us, the prophet Isaiah is saying, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. I guess it's God talking through. Isaiah, but he says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they will be as wool. Jesus himself said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's talking spiritually. I will give you rest. I, I like what those boys said in, in, in Acts chapter 4, 12, when, he, when they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no, none other name uh, under heaven given among men, whereby we must, or whereby you must be saved. Right? And they said, Whereby we must be saved. That is the name of Jesus. That's the only way uh, that you'll get right. Uh, I quoted this verse to him down at the revival this week. John 1.12 is one of my favorites. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe his name. That's how you get right. You get saved. And listen to me, God deals with our heart different ways. And primarily, first of all, the call of salvation comes through the Word of God. But God God will use, it will be His Word that will be spoken, but He can use many different men and women of God. Right, He can use many different forms to present uh, that call of salvation to us. But the call does come from the Word of God. I don't know how many different people over the years 
preached to me and spoke to me and talked to me and pleaded with me and prayed for me, you know. Uh, uh, it, but it was, but it, all, it was the call of God for salvation and it was God's word that was, done, that was doing the work. Now let me say this, the call of salvation is sometimes combined with circumstances, right? It is the word of God. The Bible means that when it says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that's the period, that's how it comes. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But God can use that in combination with things like circumstances, for instance. Uh, the circumstances could be an illness. Uh, there is people that have truly gotten saved, uh, right, whenever they were severely ill. And sometimes that's, sometimes we're so hard-headed, it's not anything to be proud of, but sometimes we're so hard-headed that it takes us getting down to that point, uh, right, that God brings us to our knees by that way in order to get our attention and to shake us and wake us up and realize you're not going to live forever and you need to make some preparations. So it could be illness. It could be a tragedy with, with finances or legal issues or you know something going on with family. Or there's so many things that God can use to get our attention. They can even come from a through a tragic event. Right? The loss of, of a loved one, right? The death of somebody close to you. Uh, I, you. People will usually react one of two ways. They'll either get mad at God or they'll get close to God when something like that happens. It could be from an accident, right? A, a car wreck or something like that. It, it, may, it, may be, it may come through. God may use the circumstances or surrounding the scariest moment in your life. But the point is, when the call comes, when God finally shakes you away, Answer the call. Answer the call. We're real bad. I've done it. We're real bad not to answer the call. Right? God shook me. God, you know, his call come through men, women, through circumstances. It was his word. But it come through all these different means. Right? And it's almost like if you can imagine this, I'd see the caller ID and it's God. Now I'm like, nope. And I hit the, you know, I hit the, the no button, the send a voicemail button. Um, I'm begging you, don't do that. Don't take that chance. Don't take that risk. You don't know when your last moment is. I'm glad that God didn't give up on me, right? And he kept calling, right? He kept calling. And if he's calling your heart this morning, knocking on your heart, and you ain't right, and you know you ain't right, don't, don't wait a moment longer. Don't wait until this service is over, right? God could call you home before we get out of here today. So, I mean, that is the first thing, is when the call comes, don't ignore it. Answer it. And let me throw something else in there that you need to know. The call requires us to repent. The very first words, if you go to, to Mark's gospel, if you've got a red letter Bible and you go down there and look for the very first verse, I think it's verse 15, but you go to the very first verse that is read, right? That's when Jesus is first talking. That is his first message. And he says, the time is fulfilled... The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. According to this verse, uh, believing is only half of it. The other half is repent. He said, repent ye. Ye is plural. That means you all. He's telling you all. He says, repent, repent all of you all. Repent and believe the gospel. 
you can do all the good. You can do all the good things in the world. You can outdo Mother Teresa and Gandhi and whatever other, you know, good doer or doer or whatever, uh, doer of good, that's what I was trying to say, that you can think of. And you can do all the right things in the world, but it will mean nothing if you have not first repented. Repent and believe the gospel. That's what Jesus said. It doesn't get any more simple than that. Uh, just to make sure that we're on the same page, you understand what repent means. Repent means to have a change of heart uh, uh, that causes you to think differently. It causes you to change your mind about sin, God, and yourself. It causes you to change your mind about what is right and what is wrong. It causes you to change your mind about who gets to decide what is right and what is wrong. When you repent, you turn away from sin and disobedience and rebellion and you turn to God. That's what repentance is. When you repent, you're no longer rebelling against God. You're no longer going your, your own way. You're turning, and you're going the other way. You're going towards God. I want to make this clear before I move on. Hear me. There is no salvation. Clear on what I'm saying. There is no salvation without repentance period doesn't happen there is no salvation without repentance repentance happens first in the heart right you can't uh, you can't just give it lip service it must come from the heart that's why I say that I think the you know salvation is taking place before the person makes it here. Of course, when they make it to the altar, and, and if that's the you know where they're at when salvation happens, of course you don't have to you know you don't have to be in a church house to get saved. You can get saved anywhere, right? But anyway, so whenever God calls, repent, answer the call, believe the gospel. But that's why I say that because it's taking place in the heart. I think it's happening in the heart before you before you you know you make it all the way. And you know what I'm saying? I, I think it's got to start here in the heart and I think the heart's happening faster than what the mind is is or not the mind but your feet is carrying you the point is repentance is from the heart it is not lip service you can't just come up and say I'm sorry God but not really mean it right and you might say what do you mean by don't really mean it I mean you've not really repented if you get up and you go back out and do the same thing you were doing before if there's not a change that takes place it's just lip service not repentance. It happens first in the heart. So you do right. Right In order to do right, you need to get right. Step one. Nothing else is going to happen until you get right. You've got to get right with God. Period. And then, once you get right, that's not the end of it. Right? So many of our brethren say, well, we get right, and then it don't matter what I do after that. I'm good no matter what. Baloney! That's not what the Word of God says. You've got to get right... And then you need to live right. Right? Live your profession. Right? Don't be, you, you can't just be talk. Right? There's got to be some show to it. There's got to be actions that match the words. If the actions don't match the words, then the words aren't worth the breath it took to say them. Get right and live right. We live right. How, you might say, how do we live right? Well, we live right by, first of all and foremost, by presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's what Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us to do. 
right? If you turn to Romans chapter 12 and begin reading there, you'll see where it says, I beseech, the Apostle Paul is imploring to us, you know. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's the first verse. The second one says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is he saying there? He's saying your life should be a living sacrifice, right? That, he said that is the right thing to do. That is what's acceptable to God. And then he goes on and he explains. He says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't be conformed. That, don't be like. Don't mold yourself to. Don't imitate the world. Right? Instead of being conformed to the world, be just opposite of that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? When God saves you and the Holy Spirit comes in and lives within you, you are born again. You are a new creature in Christ. The old man is crucified. And you and now you are to be be transformed by the work that the Holy Spirit is doing within you. That's where the power comes to live right. That's where the desire comes to live right. And to live right, that means a whole lot more than just showing up to church on Sunday morning. It takes more than that. If that is the extent of your holiness, then you ain't got much. Matter of fact, what you've got is a filthy rag. Right? That's all that it is. What it means to live right is it means living for God 24 hours a day even when somebody doesn't see you. Even when you're not in the presence of mom and dad or your kids or your neighbors or, you know, whoever, right? When nobody sees you, God sees you, you live right 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And part of that, right, I talked about repentance and salvation, but that's not the end of repentance, Right? Part of that means confessing our sins to God and then going on and doing our best to sin no more. That's true repentance, right? That's what Jesus told him. That's what he told the, uh, the one woman that was caught in adultery, right? He tells her to go and sin no more, right? That's what he tells us, right? We need to repent, believe the gospel, and then whenever we fall on our faces, it'll happen, right? Temptation will come, whatever the case may be. You'll mess up, you'll lose your cool, you'll do something you shouldn't have done, you'll say something you shouldn't have done, whatever it is. Confess it to God. Repent, get it out of the way. And do your best to go and sin no more. Be determined, I'm not going to do that anymore. We're talking about true repentance here. And repentance is, is difficult for us. Right? It's because we're stubborn, we're independent, maybe we're a little bit proud. That's why it's difficult for us. We repent at the time of salvation, right? Well, we don't, maybe we don't have a problem with that. But the truth is, is many of us never repent of anything ever again after that. Friend, let me tell you something. You need to clean the slate. You need to humble yourself before God and you need to confess. And if you think there ain't nothing, then ask God, bring, if there's something in my life, bring it to my attention, God. Bring it to my mind so that I can repent of it. Because I don't want anything to hinder my relationship with you. You realize that's what sin does, right? It drives a wedge between you and God. 
You, you think your relationship's not what it used to be or not where it, where it was, and you wonder why. You think maybe I, you don't hear from God like you used to or whatever the case may be. It's probably because there's some sin in there, and it's driving a wedge between you and God, and you've become so callous to it, you don't even feel it anymore, and it don't even bother you anymore. Ask God to show you. Ask Him to bring it to your attention. That's why we drift away from God and maybe you know we got no idea we don't realize it maybe we don't care like I said we're often we're too stubborn too proud we're not willing to humble ourselves uh, uh, before God and admit that even after all that he has done for us that we've messed up anyways you know we've screwed up anyways that we've gone astray that we've caved into the lust of the flesh and done what we wanted to do instead of what we knew was right let me ask you a couple questions. Do you want to hunger and thirst after righteousness again? Do you want to walk close to God again? Do you want to feel His presence in your life again? Then repent. That's what you've got to do. You've got to repent. Let me give you a couple more things and, and I'll be done. I, I, the question was, how do we live right? Well, we live right by presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. We live right by staying in the Word of God, right? 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that uh, needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth, right? Have a time in your day, every day, right? to study the Word of God, to spend some time in the Word of God, to read a devotion, to read some scriptures, to meditate upon the Word of God. I know someone who used to say, uh, no Bible, no breakfast. That worked for that person. Maybe that would work for you. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be early in the morning. It could be in the afternoon. It could be in the evening. Whatever. Figure out what works for you and make it a priority. You make sure you eat and drink something every day, don't you? Make sure that you eat and drink a little bit of the spiritual food every day. If you're going to live right, you're going to have to. You can't live right without it. So, how do we live right? Right, we present our lives as a, as a living sacrifice. We stay in the Word of God. We surrender our will to God's will. 1 John 2, 17 says, And the word passes away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Submit to the will of God. Don't run. I didn't come here to preach about Jonah, but I'm sure probably all of you know the story of Jonah. Don't run like Jonah did, right? God called him. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to go, and he ran in the opposite direction. It didn't work out for him very well. It won't work out very well for you either. Let me make it clear to you. If you are running from God's call, if you are not doing what God has asked you to do, you are not living right. If you're going to live right, you've got to be in the will of God. You've got to submit to the will of God. What did we start all this? What was it that Moses was telling the people, or God through Moses was telling the people, if you will do right, you won't go through all the hardship and trouble that those people you just left are going through. 
you save yourself a whole lot of heartaches and trouble if you'll just live right, if you'll just do right, if you'll get right and live right. It is the best life that you could ever possibly live. And one last thing and I'm done. We live right by listening to the voice of God. Now we know God speaks to us in a small, still voice. He speaks to us through the word of God, right? There, there'll be times where, I mean, I can't speak for you, I can speak for myself, where he'll speak to my spirit, you know, he'll just, I mean, I don't hear an audible voice or anything like that, but God will just speak to your heart, you know, and you will just all of a sudden know. But so often, most of the time, it is through the word of God that he speaks to us. And when he speaks to us through the word of God, there is many different ways. It could be something you're reading, it could be something that you that, that you hear, right? Uh, it, it could be, uh, you know, through a preacher, through a teacher, through a lesson, through a devotion, through just your own Bible reading. Uh, let me say this. Don't get mad at the preacher when he preaches the message the Lord has given him and it hits a little too close to home. I don't know, I just had the feeling when I was preaching Thursday night. I thought it was going pretty I thought it was going pretty good. I think it did go pretty good. I think the Lord thought it went pretty good, so that's what matters. But there was one point there towards the end, right towards the end, where I thought, I've made a couple people mad. I don't know if I did or not. I just had that feeling, you know. So I get my altar call. And I was inviting people to come. And well, you lost, saved, need to pray for somebody. And I said, and if I said something that made you mad, come on, you know. Talk to the Lord about it. Don't get mad at the preacher. I could tell a good story on Jennifer, but I won't. She's back there shaking her head no. There's been times, though, where people have thought, how, you know, sometimes I, I've heard stories where, uh, Several different people, different times where, you know, uh, they thought somebody else had told the preacher something they'd done. Nobody told the preacher what they'd done. God knew, and he's speaking to you, and he's convicting you. Don't get mad at the messenger. God speaks to you through his word, through his messengers, through prayer. If you're going to live right, you're going to have to listen and obey when he speaks to you. And let me say this. If you ever need to check, if you're ever like, mm, is that God speaking to me or not? Check it with this right here. If it's God, it will line up every single time. It will line up. They will be speaking from here, preaching from here, and what they are saying that God is speaking to your spirit will line up. That's how you check it. That's how you know. So maybe, maybe, you're asked the question, why should you get right and why should you live right? Maybe you're stubborn. I wouldn't call it stubborn. I'd call it stupid. But you have made the decision that you want to mess up your own life and live in your own misery. And why should you care? Well, I'll give you, if, if, if living your best life that you could possibly live, is not good enough for you. If you are stuck on wanting to be miserable, let me give you one more. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20 says, For ye are bought with a price. You were bought with a price. You're not your own. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's 1 Corinthians 6.20, right? 
according to the scripture, we don't have the right to be self-destructive. We don't have the right to destroy or ruin our own life because it's not ours to destroy or to ruin. So what is the point of my message? It's simply this, what I've already said. A life lived the way that it was meant to be lived is the best life anyone could ever live. A life lived the way that God intended, the way that God uh, uh, meant for it to be lived. Right? That's what he's telling them back here in Exodus. That right there, that's the best it is going to be. And I realize that we go through things and, and, and hey, compared to somebody else's life, maybe it's not as great as theirs. But it's the best life that we could possibly live. And listen to me. Here's the thing of all this. You know, I realize some people, you know, you, you look at it and you think, man, you know, they, they didn't get dealt very good hand. That's a saying that we use. I told you a while back, right, I preached about the crippled man. I told you then, don't feel bad for him. Don't feel bad. God, God intended for things to be just the way they were and used it for his glory. This life, this life is that long. Can you see that? No, you can't because it's that long. That's why you can't see it. It is a whisper, right? It is the blink of an eye. It is nothing in comparison of eternity. All this is is a brief staging ground getting you ready for eternity. But you must make those preparations now before it's too late. Do right, right? Get right and live right. I want, as Jennifer comes for a song of invitation. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. I don't know your heart. I don't know your need. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know the things that you might be uh, dealing with. Um, if God has got on to you about something, then, boy, I'll tell you what, the altar is open. This is a good place to come and get it sorted out with you. Maybe you've got a burden for somebody on your heart. Now's a good place. This is a good place to come and pray for them. Maybe there's something that's concerning you. Here's a good place to come and talk to the Lord about it. Whatever the need is, don't miss this opportunity, okay? If you've got a heavy burden, if you've got a need, if there's some things going on, whatever it is, don't miss this. If you're mad at the preacher because you don't like what he said, come talk to the Lord about it, whatever it is. Would you come this morning? Would you come?